he'll make it for sure. That's why I backed him on Tap Touch. You got the touch. You got the power. Got the touch? Choose Tap Touch. Better your bet. Download the app today. Conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858. Hey, team. Welcome back. Another week of footy flies by, and with so much to dissect, who better than two blokes who you'd happily let the other team use for fill-up numbers to go through it? Get comfortable and enjoy the listen. Yes, hello all, welcome back to another episode of the Footy Yarn. My name's Hayden, I'm joined by Matthew as always. Matthew, how are you? I am phenomenal. That's great to hear, mate. Jeez, um, interesting round of footy. Um, feels weird to record it on a Wednesday. Obviously, it, it feels like it was so long ago now. It does feel so long ago. And it was an interesting round of footy. A lot of things happened, a lot of good games as well. Yeah, there was a lot of really bad games. And West Coast really showed that maybe they should be copping the Sunday evening fixture a few more times because that sucked. It did. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, it's hard to know week to week what we're going to get from them at the moment just because we don't know who they're going to have. Yeah, I also did um, correctly predict North Melbourne, 100 point you, loss. You did. And they did it in both sides. So good on them for keeping consistency among the leagues. Yeah, the whole club's struggling, isn't it? Um, yeah, struggling is one way to put it. Shit is another way. Um, I see no other reason uh, not to crack straight into the news. Hello and welcome back. Um, starting off, uh, Silrioli. Um, yep. Bit of news out about him in terms of uh, this whole Jeff Kennett thing. Um, and... Other things in relation to the Hawthorne Football Club in, in terms of a, a racial aspect, um, sort of a, a racist history. And it's not it's not good. As a Hawthorne supporter, it would upset you, I assume. Um, oh, yeah, look, it upsets me. But uh, I think it's also one of those things where I think Kenneth it was sort of known to be a bit of a polarising figure. Um, and not many people have been a huge fan of him or his tenure at the club in recent years. But... Yeah, some of the things that came out about this whole Rioli saga was a, was a bit interesting about alleged things Kenneth did or didn't say. And, um, you know, obviously it just shows how much a, a relationship has been soured with the club because of one person or supposedly one person. Yeah, it is It is a bit upsetting. But hopefully they sort out. Sam Mitchell's trying to trying to sort of smooth things over. Yeah, it was, it was allegedly something about um, the jeans being worn by Rioli's wife, so, obviously, we don't know the exact comment. We just know, allegedly, was something supposedly to do with a pair of jeans. So, very interesting how it could have spiralled out from that. But there was also um, just other racist things that Kenneth had said over time that um, would have upset a few players and fans and many people alike, I'm sure. And big news out of the AFLW. Yep. Uh, the season set to start in August with the draft set to be in June. How do you, how do you feel about this? Um, not a fan. Not a fan? Yeah, I didn't know it was confirmed yet, um, but then... Neither did I. Yep, Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, I was out in Fremantle as I so often am, mm. and ran into about half the Fremantle women's team, and um, I also ran into one of the Dockers boys that I know, so I was with him for a bit, and then we were with the girls team for a bit, and they were talking about how the season's pretty much confirmed to start in August, or is confirmed to start in August, mm. so... Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I Personally, obviously, we said our feelings on it when it was sort of rumours were being floated around. I'm not a fan because I feel like 
if they can find a way where it will start and then finish in that weekend off before the grand final, like that bye weekend before the grand final. Yeah. I think that would work. But obviously the AFL is the primary fixture when it comes to football. Over any of the state leagues, over any other league at this current stage in time. And the second that's done, my brain's like, all right, well, footy's over. So you're telling me that the AFLW is going to try to play regular season games during September when AFL finals are on? I'd assume so, yep. I don't know mm. how. Obviously, <laughs> just... there'll, there'll be less AFL games, but you feel like numbers will drop a bit because people are thinking finals are on. So a few yeah. games are going to miss out on some viewership in the in the AFLW. Wowee, that's interesting. When would the season then finish? Like December uh, or? Well, you'd assume probably October because what it's a it was a ten round comp with you know three weeks of finals and you know maybe a buy in there or something. So you'd say around October ish, November ish. Strange. Yeah, it's um. I don't know how I feel. How do you feel about it? I I won't pass judgment until I see it. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't really know where the proper place is for it yet. But I don't think it's there. I think it, I think it should be running alongside the AFL. I think it's a very easy way to, to manipulate that. I'm sure where the fixtures don't get in each other's way too much, and we could have footy on from a Thursday to a Monday every week. But also, I just don't know if having, as you say, like regular season games during finals. Because everyone's already so hyped for finals. There's all that build-up, all that excitement for everything that comes in September. By the time September's done, you're sort of just like, sweet, over it, ready to call it a day with footy. Let's crack into the next thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how that how that works. Yeah. News-wise, anything else? Uh, yes. Uh, Brisbane Vice-Captain Emily Bates. Uh, she took out the AFLW Best and Fairest overnight. Of course, that overnight. was um, huge from her. So, absolutely marvellous from, from her. Hayley Miller also got Vice-Captain of the All-Australian side from Massive. a WA representation standpoint. So, huge night last night. It was. Also, um, Jordan Degoe getting a week. Yep. Which I was very surprised by. Oh, look, I think he avoided a lot of weeks for a lot of different things, so I'm sure one week is um is nothing. In terms of on the football field. Yeah, sure. Um, look, in, in all seriousness, I was surprised Collingwood didn't challenge it. Um, yeah, look, I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't actually seen the, okay. the hit, but yeah. I just, uh, interpretation for everything seems to change every week. I'm a bit sick of. There was a, some strange interpretation of uh, the, the rushed behind rule in the derby. I don't know if I saw that. Oh, it happened twice where Luke Ryan once, um, he got the ball and sort of tried sidestepping Nelson and then decided to just backstep into the goals. And umpire said, no, rush behind. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, sorry, d- deliberate. And um, then Luke Ryan assumedly said something like, that's bullshit. And um, Jackson Nelson, 50 metres goal. And then the same thing happened with West Coast where Harry Edwards sort of was on the ground and he sort of just like rolled the ball towards the goal. And I think it might have been Witherden or one of the other West Coast defenders just sort of put in a half effort to try and stop it but let it go over. And they said, nah, deliberate. Oh, wow. And then Matt Tabernard missed everything with his kick. From the goal square? No, from the... Okay, I was hoping so. No, it's from the point post. Yeah, cool. Yep. Anything else news-wise? Um, not what I can see. Okay. Uh, but, you know, things happen. Things don't happen. 
That's completely true. Uh, looking at a bit of a round review, Thursday, geez, it was almost a week ago now. Bulldogs, 71, defeated the Swans, 60. Um, Tim English, geez, he's looking real good this year. It's looking like a real breakout year from him. He was outstanding. And uh, Nick Blakey, looking like an all-Australian halfback. Yeah, looks phenomenal. Uh, Sydney had their chances to nearly snatch that one. The Dogs missed a lot of shots on goal. And uh, come the end of the game, the Dogs did get the job done. So keep their season going. They're one and two now, so a bit of a recovery from them. Yeah, who are you saying best on for that game? Oh, it's a tough one. Uh, I thought Bailey Smith was very good. I thought he, he's, his around-the-groundwork is great, but Tim English, his around-the-groundwork is really impressing me this year, and I'll probably talk about it more later, but he is looking one seriously impressive ruckman. Uh, Friday's game, Melbourne beating Essendon 99-70. This game really got overshadowed by the game that comes after it, given we had two Friday games. But, um, yeah, the, the one thing I took away from that game is there's no point shutting down Christian Petrarca. Because you shut down Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver pops up and just does yeah. exactly what he does. And even with the shutting down of Petrarca, he was still influential enough. Oh, he still got just under 25 touches, yeah. kicked a goal. like, And then Oliver was getting nearly 40, racked up several goal assists and may have even scored a goal as well to go with it. It was bonkers from them. And like Oliver's definitely that man of the match from that game. That was just insane to see from him. The, the score probably doesn't reflect how close that game actually was. It was really... Sort of late that, that uh, Melbourne kicked away. But, yeah, uh, it was good to see Essendon competitive. Peter Wright looking mm. um, really good. And as, as I said, I think the key to Essendon is if Peter Wright's firing, then they're going to be able to make finals or be, be serious contenders. But if Peter Wright isn't, and regardless, they're 0-3. But um, regardless, I think Peter Wright is going to be the key. Um, but Melbourne obviously far too strong for Essendon on this day. Yeah, and your guy... Nick Martin, he didn't dominate like he did in round one, but good to see him back it up with another pretty solid performance. Yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be huge. He's just gonna be huge for this competition. Um, game of the round, game of the season by far. The Crom beating Port by four points with a goal after the siren, and it's stuff like that. Obviously, obviously Port are zero and three, but they're still on paper, you know, some distance ahead of Adelaide. Oh yeah. But consistently, the showdown always like always provides a good spectacle. It is the it best derby in the game by some distance. And Harry Schoenberg is looking really good for the Crom. He's just one of those like mid, like mid-20 picks in the draft. So sort of people forget about, people don't hype up that much. And he is looking like one of the top midfielders from that draft as of right now. And how good was Lockie Gollant? Yeah, kicking four from yeah, six touches. So, really exciting. Yeah, that's that's huge from him. I would say, as far as man of the match goes, it's tough to say with that game, but, geez, it certainly isn't Sam Mays. Look, Sam Mays actually had a decent oh, game up to that game. point. Yeah, that was ridiculous. He should have not put a challenge in at all. And look, in my opinion, that that's the sort of shit that should get weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if you're going to... Throw your arm. I'm like, what are you? What were you doing? Like, yeah, just, like it was oh, uh, seconds to go, and it was like, oh, Porter got to get away with this one, and then he's just like full <laughs> punching, full just swinging clothesline challenge. Yeah, it was um, yeah, an interesting display, and um, look, I'm, I'm glad we got game of the round out when Jordan Dawson kicked that, and it sort of goes away and then comes back in last minute. Jeez, that was some late swing. It was. It was weird. I don't know. He kicked it, and the whole time I was like, maybe it'll swing back, and it did. 
Yeah, huge port 0-3. Where do they go from here? Are they done? Are they cooked? Uh, it's a big game this week against Melbourne. Yeah, Charlie Dixon really needs to come in and come firing. Yeah, I don't know. Like Round one, they looked solid. They lost to Brisbane, but you're yep. like, oh, they were good. Yep. And then they were hot. Not, they were horrible against Hawthorne. They were destroyed. Uh, and then this week, I don't know. I watched that game, and the whole game, they didn't look like solid, but they never looked like they were going to lose. Adelaide looked like they were going to lose that whole game. They tried yeah. about three goals a whole match, and Adelaide just sort of hung in there and got the job done at the end. And that's why the showdown is the best derby in the game. Saturday's games, Giants beating the Suns, 83-57. to 57. Um Tom Green, Stephen Cornelio, Tim Toronto combined for 23 clearances, which I was really impressed by between those three, especially given Cornelio didn't go in the centre to bounce once. So I think it's really impressive, their midfield stocks and how they work around the ground. Um, but, yeah, Tommy Green is just looking, and I think people are really catching on. He is looking insane this year. Yeah, it's uh, good to see uh, Stephen Cornelio back to... Nearly his best. Yeah, and he's just sort of playing that, that half forward or yeah. really outside of the midfield role. Sort of the Tim Taranto role. Yeah, and Timmy T's going back into the centre and still just putting up the exact same numbers because he is a beast. I didn't see much of this game, uh, but apparently, I know it was only 26 points, apparently the Gold Coast were horrendous. Yeah. That, that's so. what that's what I've heard watching, you know, the, the footy shows throughout the week. They said Gold Coast were insipid. Yeah, well... Look, they, they lost. GWS, they haven't looked the best this season, but I think they're saving their best form for September when they will, as I said, win the flag. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Collingwood, defeated by Geelong by two goals. Do yeah. you want to take the lead on this one? Oh, sure. Uh, obviously, uh, some big players. Nick Dacos got his first rising star vote. Yeah, so. he was... Look, nothing against Nick Dacos, but Granger Brass robbed. You reckon? Yep. Yeah, fair enough. Uh Look, the two big cats combining for nine goals, Jeremy Cameron and Hawkins, that hurts. Makes it hard to win games. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Cameron, very good, especially in that that second half. Uh, first half, look, uh, Collingwood dominated and trailed. So that, that was nice. Uh, Geelong, uh, I think we led by 30 at three-quarter time. And Geelong just stormed home. We, had clear, we I think we kicked one point in the last quarter. Uh, and we ran off our legs. Pretty disappointed at the time, but, you know, reflecting on it the next day, I just got to remember we're a young side. We're still not supposed to dominate this year, so yep. we're playing in the right way, so I'm pretty pretty happy. And Geelong obviously needed that win too, so they go to 2-1 and one now. So, yeah, so all parts are moving in all different directions. Yep. Uh, Jack Ginevan's really becoming a real pantomime villain of the AFL just out of nowhere. Joel Selwood's tried to murder him. He's, yeah. tried, he's tried ripping Ginnivan's head off. Kane Corns has just got personal beef with Ginnivan. Even though <laughs> Ginnivan didn't say anything in response know, to Corns, Ginnivan just sort of, you know, he said, ah, oh, well, people will make their comments and I'll just keep going about doing what I'm doing. And now Kane Corns is just using every opportunity to make a Mickey out of Jack Ginnivan, even though he's still playing good footy. Mm. And Joel Selwood's gone, you know, a legend of the game has several games on him and he's like, I'm going to choke this bloke out. I'm going to put him in an yeah. armour. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard Kangle singing on Night Night and Footy Class and he goes, you know, Ginevan, uh, you know, it looks like he's trying to get under the opposition's skin. Well, of course he is. Yep. Like, uh, like I 
And then he so, goes... Sorry, were you just out there, like, asking him for a cup of tea, Kane, in your <laughs> yeah, career? Yeah. And then he goes, you know, it would be better... It's wrong of Collingwood to ask him to play that role if he if they are. Which, I don't think that's a role you ask someone to play. It just sort of... Yeah. That's his personality or whatever. And, he, and then uh, Kane also said, you know, it'd be better if you just... People, you don't want people to know who you are for the first 30 games. Just ease into it. Like, you're an idiot. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, Kane certainly got some interesting perspectives on the footy. Um, Brisbane defeating North. Look, I, I don't Good think... game, though. Yeah, I don't think we need to go into this too much. I'm just going to say North sucks um, real bad. Now, round three last year, they did lose by 100 points. Yeah. So let's hope they can at least... Because we saw we saw some good signs from about the middle mark last year, so let's hope that we do see that again this year. Yeah, but otherwise, right now North sucks. Sunday's game: Hawthorne beating Colton by one point. Um, as I was saying to someone at the pub on Sunday evening, um, I think it's a matter of right now. Sam Mitchell's just trying to find our ceiling. So what he's doing is against these teams that. You know, last year weren't that good. Letting them get as much of a lead as we think we can chase and then trying to <laughs> chase it just to really challenge ourselves and sort of judge and attest our ceilings. Hence why we were trailing to north and came back. And then obviously with this one coming back by about, you know, seven or so go- seven or so goals, probably even more at some stage. And um, look, it was really nice to see that sort of come back to storm home. But Carlton still got the win by one point thanks to a very strong weedering mark. Um, Jack Silvani was really impressive that game for me, though. Yeah, good to see Jack Silvani finally reaching his potential. Look, looks really good, and I'm excited. Yeah. I did another one. I called all, all Australian in preseason. I said that. So um, look, I think most of my preseason predictions are coming true. Fair enough. Um, St Kilda defeating Richmond by five goals. Jeez, Richmond. Now th- this is a stat that I saw that was probably a little concerning for Richmond fans. They got a shot away on a third of their inside fifties, thirty-six percent of their inside fifties. They took a shot, whereas St Kilda got away on two thirds of their inside fifties, so sixty-five percent of their inside fifties. They got a shot off on goal. So pretty concerning about Richmond that they're they're not always going in and doing something with it. But St Kilda, that's some pretty good numbers from them. Yeah, uh, great to see St Kilda, obviously. Get things going. I think they kicked the last seven or eight goals of that game. Yeah, like no response either. Yeah. So, so it's hard to know where Richmond are at. I mean, they're not. They're showing patches and they're not getting smashed. Like they could easily be three and zero. They could easily be zero and three, but they're one and two, and we don't know where it goes from here. Yeah, Max King though, looking sensational. Coleman. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I called that. I think I can't. I think you might. Might have been Norton. One of those two. Yeah. But we'll say whichever one out of those two wins I called. West Coast, uh, with their record low derby score, absolutely destroyed by Fremantle by 55 points. Um, yeah, West Coast, they looked cooked. Um, my other takeaway from the game I have written here, Sam Swikowski, All-Australian. Oh, it's a big call. He just, he doesn't rack up as many as other people, but he has impact with every touch. How good was our Lockie Schultz? He was very good. Um, it was great to see. I thought Blake Akers was really impressive as well. Uh, Michael Walters looked uh, much more rejuvenised than his first couple games. Liam Ryan looked very, very average. So, um, yeah, few issues for West Coast because it's it's you know players who are pretty experienced as well who aren't performing. There's obviously concerns over whether coming back from COVID you you've got any struggling for breathing or any fatigue afterwards. Mm. 
So um, I, I think we'll see when other clubs get affected by that. But right now, they do just look not up to the challenge. And I never like to say that a club's too old. And again, it could just be the COVID factor that, you know, they're coming back. But even Luke Shuey, he just hasn't looked up to his best this year. And I think a, a lot of players just don't really look up to the level this year. Yeah, it is. It's going to be interesting uh, to see how they go this week. It really depends on how many players they get back and how fit they all are. Yeah, well, they've still got they've got most of their players from COVID back. So, mm. look, I think the only issue would be any underlying things that are still sticking around. Um, as for the player of the year votes, Tab Touch Young Player of the Year, it's looking quite interesting at the top after three rounds. My one vote, I went with Denver Granger Barras, had 18 disposals and 11 intercepts to go with six marks. So I was really impressed by his role, and I think that's the role we will see him playing more consistently in the future. Yeah, I, I miss Denver. Like, he was in my list here, but there's just too many young players playing well, and he's just missed out, unfortunately. Uh, I went with Bailey Smith for one vote. I uh, had a phenomenal uh, fr- Thursday night. Uh I, want, I wanted Denver to... I, I thought about swapping and I went, I have to put Bailey Smith in there. No, so don't I, have I to. Denver it. is 10 times the player Bailey Smith will ever be. There, I said it. And then, <laughs> Look, I agree. There's no bias. Um, two votes, I went with Harry Schoenberg. Had 23 disposals, one goal and an assist. Um, and again, he's looking like, you know, along with Benny Keyes, probably their best midfielder this season, which is really exciting from such a young player. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very good call. I've stuck on the, the sort of Adelaide route. I've gone with Lockie Gollant. That's two fair. votes. Uh, kicked his four. Kicked a phenomenal goal. I think it was in the third quarter uh, where he picked it up sort of with and left one foot in midair so he could immediately just put it on the boot and the goal square was very special. Yep. Uh, three votes. I went with Nick Blakey. Um, again, I think he's just really stand out on that halfback. Had 25 touches with an assist. Uh, eight in, eight rebound 50s and five inside 50s. So he sort of is going up, he's playing almost like a wing roll the way he's doing it, but he's, he's really impressing me with uh, how he's performing on that halfback. Yep, good call. Uh, three votes I went with Matt's King. Keep his five. Uh, did it again. That was the best thing, you know. He's basically turned it on in the second half last week and then he went, you know what, I can do this two weeks in a row. Yeah, he got my four votes. He was... He had seven marks and six of them were inside 50, so absolutely phenomenal from him, and he is looking one of the best key forwards in the game right now. Uh, four votes I went with Nick Dacos. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, had plenty of touches, kicked his first goal, um, especially in that, that third quarter, set up a lot of score involvements yep. as well, so looked really good uh, uh, going along well. Yeah, five votes I went with Tommy Green. Um, had 29 disposals, two goals and two assists, put up a bunch of other great numbers, and I thought he was phenomenal and easily the best on ground that game. Yeah, with Tom Green as well, pretty obvious. Yep, uh, Tab Touch Player of the Year votes. I went with Tim English for my one vote. Um, 24 disposals, he had eight clearances, put up five tackles, 12 score involvements, eight marks. He's doing incredible numbers for a ruckman. Just his around-the-ground work and his efforts have so improved upon years prior. Uh, one of my special mentions, Sam Wiedemann, just missed out on, on votes for me. Had a very good Thursday night, so sorry, Sam. Um, one vote, though, went to Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, that, six. that's fair enough. Good. Did do very well. Two votes, I backed in Tommy Green again. I just thought he was phenomenal this weekend. Deserved to, to be in with the big boys, with the older boys, to, to get two votes. Uh, two votes, I went with Lincoln McCarthy. 
had a good game against North, uh, kicked his four, had a few touches, and you like to see that from Lincoln. Yep, it was very impressive. I went with uh, big JC, Jeremy Cameron, for my three votes. I thought six goals against a side like Collingwood. You've got to be pretty stoked with that, pretty chuffed. Yep. Uh, three votes I went with uh, Timmy T, Timmy Taranto. Yep. Um, had, a, had a good game, and good to see him back in the middle as well. Yep. I went with Clayton Oliver for my four votes. He had three goal assists. From 38 disposals, 15 inside 50s. And, you know, these are the numbers that Petrarca's usually putting up, but then Petrarca gets a sort of tag on him, mm. and then Oliver goes and does that. So super impressed by him, and very stiff not to get five votes. And that's why neither of these two will win the brown low. Yep. Because <laughs> they'll just steal votes off each They'll other. get in each other's way. Uh, my four votes, I went with Clayton Oliver yep. as well. So for the same reasons, was just phenomenal. Uh, five votes, I went with Jared Lyons. From Brisbane, he had two goals and four goal assists from 28 touches. He had nine inside 50s as well. I just thought he put up really good numbers from his touches. He didn't have as many touches as some people, but he did a lot with all of them, and I was really impressed by him. Uh, my five votes actually went to uh, the hero on Thursday, Friday night, Jordan Dawson. Okay. Um, had, had a really good game regardless of the... the the match-winning goal, had 24 touches, uh, kicked two goals, and obviously he added that he hit the winner. I thought, you know what? Huge. Winning best, goal tax. Yeah, best on. Yep. Um, now, do have an interview coming up, as we so often do at this time of the show, with a man by the name of Gussie Dewar. Now, Gus did want me to tell everyone that um, he does also have a, a brand that we are planning to partner with, a beer brand that's coming up by the oh. name of Winner's Piss. So um, there's a lot of exciting things going on with Winner's Piss. Uh, They're set to be going to the public uh, sometime in April, so late April. Um, So very exciting. Um, It's, you know, beers that can be enjoyed on any occasion, but made for the winner. Yeah, okay. As I would assume by the name. Um, You know, personally, don't do a lot of winning in my amateur football. Um, But it's not just about your footy. It's about any sport. It's about any facet of life. Um, and look, I'm very excited because I heard him talk about it and he was very excited. I know it's something he's worked on for a very long time. Well, of course for you, unfortunately, the first year you, you're out of Colts, yep. they just go and win the first game of the season. You're like, lads, where was this for the last five years I've been playing? Nah, to be fair, we had that one. See, it was the first year you join when you're all juniors or all coming from juniors. You suck. And then the year after that, you do really well. And we missed out on finals for like two points. And then the year after that was COVID and we didn't get a cult side. And then the year after that, it was the reset, except I was one of the only lingering 20-year-olds. But did you ever win round one? Uh, yeah, we would have okay. in that second year. And that's what they've got now, the second year. So it all mm. all kicks off. All comes together. Yep. And the bloke who uh, captained the side to, to the win um, took my jumper number. So Who's captaining the side? Um, it was Mark Cogger, ah. the cog dog. On the weekend, um, he told me he's part of the leadership group. Everyone else was playing league, and huh. he he took the reins and um, you know took those new year twelves that were coming in under his wing, um, and also had my jumper number on, which is ironic because when he came to the club, I missed the preseason and he took my jumper number, so I had to change it, and then he's taken that one this year. So um, a lot in that. That's unbelievable. But back to Gussie Dewar. Um, <laughs> obviously, this is a, a great little yarn with a man who's been a friend of the show for a while about his uh, his top-up experience with West Coast. 
And um, he has some very interesting things that he does share about the experience. So I won't dribble on any longer and we'll cut into that now. Today is one I'm very excited for. It's, it's been a long time coming, probably been about, you know, four or so years since we last spoke, I'd say. What, 2019? Yep, that would mean two and a bit. Two and a bit? Nah, 22, because this is our fourth year doing this. There was a, f- oh, yeah, I guess, because you've got to equate months into it. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, it's Gussie Dewar. Gus, how are you? Yeah, good. Uh, now you say that, uh, two years and a bit and a name change ago. Yeah. Well, what's going on there? Why was the name changed? Uh, family reasons. Uh, Pop actually passed away just after the grand final and uh, was always going to do it. Finally got around to actually doing it. But uh, yeah, did it for Pop. So um, yeah, some family stuff. Um, but yeah, proud I did it. And yeah, got the flag um, just in time before Pop kicked the bucket. So worked out really well. Okay, well, that's, that's good to hear that you're, you're happy with the change. I was very confused when I when I first saw it because obviously every week with the Waffle Sides, I'm looking for certain players and Littleland's one of them at the start. And I was just like, hold on, where's where's Gussie going? I was I was lost. I was scared. And then I realised there was a name change and I'm, I'm very happy you're still going. And obviously it's been so, going so great for you as of late. This year's been absolute whirlwind for you. Uh, yeah, nuts. Um, whirlwind's a bit of an understatement. Um, but yeah... Um, yeah, you're not the only person that was uh, worried when they didn't see Litherland down the back. My um, player sponsor, Teddy Wishart, um, great man. Um, he sponsored me last year and he calls me He calls me three times a week this year, but last yeah. year it was once a week. Um, hey, mate, uh, you, are, you, are you injured? What's what's going on? Why, why are you not playing this week? No, mate, I'm there. Well, no, no, you, your name's not there. Teddy, I'm there. Don't worry, mate. See, have you heard of Dewar? No, nah, who's he? That's me, mate. Oh, well, good work. Keep it up. <laughs> Righto, Teddy. Thanks, mate. Well, in terms of, you know, obviously, because this year has been the big jump where you've uh, done, done what all us fans want and made it back to the AFL, but you look back to, you know, 2016, it was a year where myself, many fans were disappointed to hear the news um, that you would be delisted. Since that time, you know, since that moment, was there any other stage before this year that you thought you would be back on an AFL list? <laughs> Not really, eh? I, um... Haven't nominated for a draft. Um, like the weekend felt like a raffle. I didn't enter, basically, um, and I won it somehow. So come and train and play with your favourite team. I win. Um, so me and four other lucky uh, blokes got the golden ticket out of the uh, the chocolate bar and went down to the chocolate factory. Uh, unfortunately, didn't get the chocolates, um, but uh, yeah, it was great to I guess for for use here to meet Willy Wonka and the rest of the chocolate factory. Uh, it was awesome to go and experience, but um, yeah, I don't know. I've been plying my trade at uh, at at Subi, having a great time, great club, great culture. Uh, we've had our success in that time, and um, something we're always trying to do: um, train hard, play hard. Um, and yeah, like I don't know. I think having a bit of a, a Subiaco flavour at West Coast is is really good. But um, so that so they obviously knew the play they were going to get for the weekend. Um, so yeah. Hadn't really put my hand up to play, just put myself in the best possible position for Subiaco and the standards we hold ourselves to, I think, held me in good stead for the weekend. All right. Now, obviously, the top-up list, the information became public probably pretty early into the year that there would be top-up lists. 
Uh, it was ages later after that that we actually heard the names. Between, you know, the list being announced and the actual list themselves, the players on it being announced, was there any stage early on that you thought, oh, could be a chance here? Was it sort of West Coast hit you up? What was that sort of passage like for you from hearing about the list to ending up on one of those lists? Uh, hadn't followed the AFL all that closely um, and then got a call from Christian Dicton, who's our... Uh, like our, well, I don't even know the actual role at the club, but he uh, he gave me a call. He's like, hey, mate, you are, um, the Eagles need a top-up list. Um, your name floated. I was like, yeah, great. He's like, no, no, serious, mate. I was like, mate, stop blowing wind up my ass. They're not going to need me. What are you talking about? Um, he's like, yeah, they need a list. You're on it. Are you happy to be on it? I was like, yeah, okay, no worries. And then that was the Thursday. Um, then West Coast give you a ring. Hey, mate. Shouldn't need you. Should be all good. Um, but really appreciate you putting your hand up. Yeah, no worries. And then um, I said to um, Dicko, I'd buy him a beer if they actually put me on the list. So they ended up putting me on the list. So I owe him a beer. And then he said, you know, mate, there's like a five percent chance you actually play. Okay, no worries. All good. Um, I don't know. It did give me a bit of a spring in the step. I think I went to the gym a couple of times more than I usually do that week. So that was good. Um, but from there, it was. Uh, yeah, it all happened relatively quickly. Um, but, yeah, I guess I didn't know much more than the fans um, and anyone following along. Lockie Reid, um, great man he is, he kept me update, up to date and I think most of Twitter up to date because people were messaging me, what's going on here? But, um, yeah, I guess I'm following along like the fans myself. Now, you say obviously you went to the gym probably a few extra times that week. It's, you know, I'm probably some distance off waffle fitness. I'm some distance off amateur fitness myself. Um, but I can't imagine the step up is, you know, to like it, it probably is quite a difference from Waffle to AFL. I couldn't imagine the training. Did you feel the need to step up, you know, in your fitness, in your, your training regimes around, you know, just around the week to, to try and be prepared for an AFL game? Or was it, like you said, you thought 5% chance, why bother? Uh, in terms of training standards and habits, we sort of drive professional at Subiaco anyway. So, um yeah, it is obviously a massive jump, but we train and prepare and play as professional as we can at Subiaco. So I was absolutely prepared in that regard. I'd put myself in the best possible position. Um, probably narrowed the focus a little bit on areas of improvement and just training with purpose over the next little while. Um, in terms of jumps, yeah, you're not wrong. I think we did. I think we did maybe sixty or seventy minutes of match sim two weeks prior to the Eagles-Kangaroo game. And then, obviously, a few of the Eagles boys coming off some long-term injuries, they needed me to play added minutes. So I've jumped from about 70 minutes of match sim um, ones and twos at Subi to 112 minutes um, round two. So, yeah, at the uh, about halfway through the third quarter, my hammies started going, um, excuse me, mate, can you slow down for a bit? Um, so a little bit of a cramp there, but the old pickle juice got me through. Um but yeah, jump up wise, especially going to Marvel, which is a very quick deck. Um, North Melbourne, a very quick side as well. Um, did a lot of chasing ass. So um, yeah, the jump in terms of preparation, like um, pre-season, we do very quite a lot of work. So we're good to go. But um, yeah, it was a fair jump. Now, looking at that week, obviously, it was a hectic week. You know, you were saying you sort of knew as much as the public did, but it goes from, you know, 13 blokes who were out for West Coast on, I think it was the Thursday 
that 13 blokes drop for a game on the Sunday. You know, there's talks of the top-ups. There's postponed games. As far as we know, West Coast are scrambling around looking for a list. What was it like for you? When you saw there was 13 blokes out, did you think, oh, come on, I'm, I'm a sniffier? Was it sort of waiting by the phone? What were those, I guess, three days like between hearing there were 13 blokes out and then being out on an AFL pitch again? Uh, I wouldn't have sort of said it was three days. Uh, Thursday night we had training. Um, all good, no worries. We're playing Claremont in a uh, scratch match. Cool. Uh, I was sitting at my desk 9.30 Friday morning, got a screenshot of the AFL app, West Coast missing a lot of people. Okay, no worries. Um, not long later, uh, got a call from West Coast, come grab a PCR, um, we may need you. And then there was probably four to five hours of waiting around trying to work out who were the actual players that were going to miss and then whether that position aligns to myself. Um, yeah, if yeah, you, you sort of work out which players are in the spot you'd be playing and then work out if they're, if they're playing or not. And there was a few that were similar sort of positions as myself. So I was like, hang on, I'm half a chance here. And then, yeah, got the, got the phone call a little bit later. But, um, yeah, obviously they kept the cards pretty close to the chest. Um, but, yeah, went in the doors very welcoming. And being a part of that side, obviously there's 20 of – half the squad's missing through injury or through COVID or through other reasons. There's top-ups, you know, blokes who you probably barely know some of the blokes at that club, may have even not met them. I don't know what it was like linking up with West Coast before that game. What was the team chemistry like in that game? In, in the rooms before the game, of obviously Jackson Nelson went down a minute before and Decky Mountford was, you know, trying to get down to the rooms 30 seconds into the first quarter – what were the sort of energies around the team and just the overall team chemistry like? Um, knowing the scenario, West Coast obviously planned ahead, so they had four or five, four or five other waffle guys come along. Um, so they were prepared. Like, what happens if a whole another wave came through the day, like when we land in Melbourne or the next morning, or that sort of stuff? So they were well prepared in that regard. Um, the team was very welcoming. Um, got us up the front, did the uh, the old nickname position and. Uh, something we don't know about you in front of the in front of the group um, on Saturday morning. Um, very welcoming. Um, yeah, there was yeah we were sort of welcomed with open arms. Obviously, we sort of pitch in and helping out the the team and the club. Um, so they obviously want to make you feel as welcome as possible. Um, there was a there was a good message from Simo um, trying to prepare for the game, but um, yeah, overall it was yeah it was pretty quick in and out. So. Yeah, as far as, you know, big moments for ex-Hawthorne players over the weekend, you know, it was probably tough for you to try and gain all the spotlight. There was some bloke who kicked a few goals and got goal number 1,000. Where do you think the return of Gus Dewar to the AFL level ranks alongside Buddy kicking his 1,000th goal? And having, you know, been around a player like Buddy to go and see him then kick his 1,000th goal, what's that like? There's probably a reason Bud was on prime time Thursday or Friday night, and I was Saturday. Uh, sorry, Sunday Arvo, uh, for one. So I'll leave that comparison right there. Uh, but yeah, amazing. Um, they say it'll never be done, but I guess the again, um, which it, it may well never be, especially with some of the turkeys that carried on on the field. Some ladies got rid of her grandma's ashes. Some bloke yeah, tried to line right. up Zach Tui and come off second best, lost his wallet in the process. Um, so I think security wise, um, yeah, maybe not ideal, and maybe they a little bit more strict on it next time or something like that. But, yeah, that's huge. It's amazing um, to think a 1,000 goals, it's, what's that, 50 a year for 20 years or obviously a few more if you can do it in less years. But, 
um, yeah, amazing. Um, I never actually played an AFL game with him. Um, I remember when I got picked up, mum's like, oh, at least you don't have to play on Bud and Rough. I was like, yeah, no shit, mum, but I've got to train against him three times a week leading up to that, um, to the games on the weekend. And it's so, tough to look good, I'm sure, in, in training when you're having to line up against Bud or Rough. Yeah, and you've got the likes of Sam Mitchell and Brad Sewell feeding it down their throats. So, yeah, didn't stand a chance there. Um, uh, yeah, death by a thousand cuts or straight in the deep end, either way you look at it, wasn't ideal. Yeah, now, as far as the rest of the season goes, um, it's unlikely we'll see for a while, obviously. The the way COVID supposedly goes is that there's that eight-week layoff where you can't really get it again, and you figure enough of West Coast backline has had it that they'll be safe for the next eight weeks. What does it look like in terms of you and West Coast for, for that time or the rest of the season? How in touch are you with the club? Do you occasionally link up with them? Do you have any idea what's going to be happening, or is it more just, you know, thanks for playing, see you when we see you? You sound very well-versed on COVID. I have no idea what yeah. the whole eight-week and all that sort of stuff is about. Oh, it could just be some absolute rumour I've heard and just stuck in the brain, but that, that's supposedly what I hear, that eight weeks is you can't get it again after, like over the next eight weeks. Yeah, right. I wouldn't be spreading your knowledge if you don't really know <laughs> it. Um, but, yeah, I, I genuinely have no idea. Um, yeah, we prepare. I'm fully focused on the Subiaco season. Um, hopefully it leaves me in good stead to – to play if they ever need me again. But, um, yeah, genuinely, like, I've got no idea. Um, it sounds like you found that stuff on the same website as the the Flat Earthers and all that sort of the, the old tinfoil I, hat crew. I can't reveal any of my sources <laughs> online. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll call them reliable. Um, just finally, as far as Subi goes, I know you've taken, you know, a big role with Subi. You, you seem to be the face of their TikTok or their social media now. You, you're getting a lot of... Uh, getting a lot of movement is that a result of having played for West Coast? You know, do you go back to Subi training and feel not so much a little bit better than everyone, but look at everyone else around you and go, "Gee, I played for West Coast on the weekend. Me and Steph did. What did you boys do?" Or is it sort of just really back to reality now? Mate, absolutely, as Slim Shady said, back to reality. Um, but no, not at all. Um, the boys were very happy for me, but yeah, that's it's not the focus of the year. Um, I think I'm probably in the socials only because I'm trying to push it and get like Zach is our media guy and he's awesome, does a great job. We're very lucky that we've got Jack Foley um, comes down and takes some photos. He's awesome um, if you go and have a look at his work. Um, but, yeah, Zach and the team do a, an almighty job and I think they've sort of – them and maybe a couple others lead the way in the waffle in terms of the, the output. Um, but I'm very, I guess, and they'll probably uh, say I am, but very pushy on making sure that we're, we're – a ahead of the rest and we're doing some cool stuff and trying to market the club in a way that brings people in new and old. Um, but it, yeah, it's probably cause I don't know, maybe I just gravitate to the camera or a microphone. Um, and I also don't shut up around the club. So, um, yeah, um, I think we're, I think we're doing a really good job and I think they're putting together some really good stuff. Um, the, the complimented teammate one was really good. I thought that was, uh, it was quite funny. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Get along, have a look at the, the club socials and get around it. Well, I look forward to seeing, obviously, your face on the TikToks and all the socials for the rest of the year. I look forward to seeing how Subi go this year. Obviously, it'll be an interesting year to see how it goes. You know, you guys could be decimated due to COVID as well with players going up, but it'll be a very interesting one. Obviously, a very strong side looking to win another flag. I wish you the best of luck for that and for the season as a whole, Gussie. Another great chat with uh, another great friend of the show. A big thank you to Gussie Dewar for coming on. 
And um, a big shout-out to Winners Pierce already. You need to flood the socials there. There's giveaways happening. And um, he did tell me there, there is things planned. I don't know how much of this I'm supposed to reveal. Oh, no. Um, so I won't. Maybe I was supposed to reveal it. Maybe <laughs> he was just telling me in secrecy. But regardless, there's giveaways planned. Huge ones from what he was telling me. If it goes ahead, these things are absolutely monstrous. Um, but, yes, it's, it's definitely something you should get around because at the end of the day, even if you aren't a winner with enough beers, anyone's a winner. Is that his slogan or do you uh, No, that's just that? mine. I um, like it. And like Alyssa Healy says, or was it Meg Lanning, one of them said, um, two beers is better than any paracetamol. <laughs> nice. Yep. So um, huge... Obviously, if you are drinking, drink responsibly, 18 plus, so on, so forth. But we'll let them do that for us when it all gets big and we can uh, get some official partnership going with the show. Now, before we get into round four's games, the AFLW Grand Final. Oh, boy. Huge. Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m., Adelaide Oval, the Crom take on Melbourne, both sides 9-1 for 2022. The Crom losing to the Bulldogs by a point, and Demons having lost to the Crom by 14 points, both of them being their only losses. Gee, it's going to be an absolutely huge one, isn't it? It is going to be a big one. Uh, it's a tough one to call. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, could be Daisy Pierce's last game, potentially. Yep. Uh, Rumoured to be going to Geelong to take up an assistant coaching role. Yep. Uh, Aaron Phillips could be her last game as well for Adelaide. Rumour she's going to chuck on the Port Adelaide jumper next year. So I can't imagine she would. Apparently, there's a big, she has big links there. I see. So there is, there is big rumours that she will. There's rumours even of a potential coach player. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about a coach player role. Yeah, neither do I. But you know what? Do it. Yeah, sure. Be unique. Um, if we're looking at people who could really tear this game open, you look at like a, a, a Marinoff, Ebony Marinoff. She has been one of the top midfielders in this competition. She's averaging 10.4 contested possessions a game, and you pair that with Ian Hatchard, who's averaging 10.9, and it's going to be tough to win clearances. They're, they're in and under players. They, they win big clearances. They're tough through the centre, and so it's going to be absolutely huge. And then you, you have someone with, uh, you know, Ash Woodland, 21 goals at 1.9 goals a game this season. And Aaron Phillips, you know what Aaron Phillips can do. She can turn a game on its head with with absolutely no warning. She is absolutely crazy. And she's so respected. Um, when I was out on Saturday night, one of the Frio girls, um, we were just having a chat about the game. And she was very excited. But, well, obviously, they were a bit flat about the loss. But she was very excited that she took a big contested grab on Aaron Phillips. Wow. Um, she just thought, And that just shows... How big Aaron Phillips is in the game that players can just be excited to take a contested grab on her. Looking forward to seeing how my girl Lauren Pierce goes, the yep. big ruck dog. So Yep, she has been sensational this year. She's averaging 10.1 contested possessions as a ruckman. So her around the ground work will, will really stand out for them. And I think Taylor Harris is going to be huge for Melbourne if they want to win. And Karen Paxson as well through the midfield. It's a, a lot of huge players throughout this game and um, should be an interesting one. But I'm saying the Crom take this. I'm going Melbourne. Is that just to be different? No, I don't know. I just I just had a feeling that they'll get up. Okay. Who, who are you thinking for, you know, player of the match? Oh, I'm going to sit with my girl, Lauren Pierce. You're back in a ruck to, a ruck. to get best on in a I, final? Yeah, I just feel like, you know, they'll, they'll look at it and go, gee, 96 taps to advantage. 
I don't even know if there'll be 96 taps across the game. Look, history is made to be broken. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, backing in the Crom, the Crom are going at $1.63, Melbourne going at $2.23, so the odds are my way, um, but yeah, regardless, it should hopefully be a very interesting final and a, a great way to spend the Saturday. If we're looking at the men's fixtures now, Thursday night, Port taking on Melbourne, 5.40pm at Adelaide Oval, obviously two teams that couldn't have a larger difference this year, Port 0-3 oh and, and Melbourne 3-0, and oh, so... Yeah, Port, you do not want to slide to 0-4. Yeah, it is a big game uh, in Adelaide. Port would want to bounce back. I've got a feeling Port might win this. Yeah, it feels weird to say that a game is a must-win in round four. Yeah. But this is a must-win. When you go 0-3, you can't be going 0-4. No. And trying to stake your claims as a premiership team. Yeah, for it sure. It just doesn't happen. Now, Melbourne, they're going at $1.41. Port Adelaide going at $2.90. I'm I'm going to tip Port. Okay. I, just, I feel like, look, as good as Melbourne are, and it's not going to affect them if they lose this, I think Melbourne just might be due for a loss. They're going over to Adelaide. Port are going to come out. You'd imagine they'd come out pretty hard. Yeah. I just I think Port might get a win here. I do hear all those factors, and my head's saying, you know, that's a very reasonable thing, that it's always tough to see a team that you know is very good, you know, go to that sort of slump to 0-4. And so in your head, you're like, Port at one. But also, I look at that Melbourne back line, and I think, how are Port going to score big goals here? That is a good That is a good call. Like, how are, how are Port going to, to get around that? Because, look, the midfield battle will be intense. I bet they wish they still had Billy Frampton. Yeah, I bet they do. I bet they do. And Wiley Buzzer. Exactly. So many big players. And Tyson Goldsack swinging forward. And uh, that other guy that I can't remember his name, but I'll get back to Yeah, of course. That guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm saying Melbourne take this game out. Okay. I think it's tough for, for, obviously it's tough for Port, but I'm saying Melbourne take this game out. Yep. Now, Friday night footy, Geelong versus Brisbane, 5.50pm at GMHBA. Uh, two teams who are, you know, looking good to start the year. They've started strong, and um, they look like they will both comfortably be in finals this year. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not fully sold on the Cats as yet. They, they, they're just a bit patchy at the moment. Yeah. If they get there, if they get going, they're, they're obviously they very good. They yeah. Well, would it shock you if I told you that Geelong are the favourites for this game on tap touch? It wouldn't shock me. Yep. But, it, you know, I'd go, hmm. Yeah. Mm. $1.77 to Brisbane's $2.05. Okay. Chuck your money on Brisbane. Yeah, double your money. Or don't. Do do what you want. Do yeah. what you feel safe with. Gamble responsibly. Um, yeah, it could be a very interesting game. Obviously, Lockie Neal had that one huge game and then sort of dipped off a little bit. Yeah. One game off, who cares? Zach Bailey's looked really good. Obviously, Jared Lyons had a huge game. I think the Big O's been very impressive. There's a lot to like for Brizzy, but there's also a lot to like for Geelong. So I think it'll be a very good game, and I'm saying Geelong take this one out. I'm going to go Brisbane. Okay, I like that. Saturday footy, Swans versus North, 12.40pm, right after the women's grand final. Uh, yeah, obviously, North Sark, Swans win this one. North will need to show something, but they won't win. At $8.50, do you think it's worth putting? <laughs> $8.50. $8. Gee, $8. Gee, you might, have, you might as well just chuck five on it just in case. Yeah. 
or a hundred, <laughs> or take your mortgage out. Yeah, and just go go bonkers, or just say mm, probably not. <laughs> Sydney Swans at a dollar seven as well. It's like, oh dear, do I bet on this game? Probably not. But if you want to go ahead, you just wonder if those odds are worth the risk because you never know when North will pull something out the bag. You just never They've know. got to at some stage. And why <coughs> not against uh, $1.07 City Swans? You just never know, do you? Yep. Collingwood versus West Coast, 2.35pm at Marvel Stadium. Another one where it's just like West Coast are going at $4.10, Collingwood going at $1.24 and you think, eh, this doesn't look like it could be a great game. I mean, look. Unless West Coast dish something up. Look, West Coast are going to get some players back. I think $4 is maybe a chance well, to try to make that many players back. They didn't really lose too many first-team players last week. Well, still a group went out, though, due to COVID. Like, yeah. So it should even out their team a little bit this week. I guess. But, yeah, I still think Collingwood should be winning this game. And if they're not, they'll be very disappointed with themselves. I know. I'll cry. Yeah, especially because it's West Coast and their fans hate Collingwood fans. So, um, yeah, you've got a lot to play for. Now, the big fixture, Richmond versus Bulldogs, that's going to be huge. Uh, that is going at 5.25 p.m. Richmond, $2.50. Bulldogs, $1.53. I think this should be an absolutely astounding game. Actually, in fact, both Saturday night games look to be game of the round contenders. So, very excited for Saturday night footy. Yeah, this is an interesting one because, I, you know... Uh, the Tigers could slump to one and three here without playing horrible football. Yep. But I'm going to tip the Tigers. I'm Gee, this yeah, is a big game, isn't for it? Both teams. Yeah. I'm saying the Dogs take this one out. They they know they need to win. They know they need to get on a run, and that time's now. Now, the other game for the Saturday night: Fremantle versus GWS. Also 5:25 p.m. Both teams going at a dollar ninety-one. Okay. You cannot split them. This game looks huge. Jamie Graham to coach again. Already confirmed, so... Um, so is jo- why is that? Is Justin Longmuir... I assume Longmuir was a close contact, and now I believe he has COVID. Oh, okay. Um, upsetting. Yeah, they didn't say that specifically. They said something along the lines of health and safety protocols, his quarantine has been extended. Mm. So you'd assume was a close contact, now has COVID. Or, yeah, fair enough. Or what? Can you be a close contact again? Like in the next week, if you ran into someone else the next day. Well, he's day. in quarantine. Yeah, but like, oh, okay. So the quarantine didn't end. No. Okay. Yeah. Understandable. Okay. Um. Yeah. So this will be a huge one. I, I think. Wow. Frio. They did look good in the derby, but GWS. That midfield looks too good. But also GWS haven't performed up to their standard this year for for what their team is on paper and what some of the stats are showing. Yeah. Big test for the Dockers. Uh. It's a tough one. This good one could go either way. Do you send a Matt DeBoer to Andy Brayshaw? Because obviously West Coast did that with Jackson Nelson and Brayshaw was quiet. The second they took Nelson off him, the game got out of hand. Yeah, look, like everyone was sort of bagging West Coast why take him off him. But to be fair, you're six goals down at half time. I, I suppose they thought we've got to try and score And then now. you kick two goals inside 30 seconds and you go... And you went, it's worked. Yep. And then Darcy Tucker takes all the momentum out of the game. Genius. I had a West Coast fan message me and goes, had all the momentum, then that Tucker bloke took a dive. Yep. I'm like, yeah, because that's what he did. Yep, he dove. He went, ah, momentum's shifting. Let's go. That was genius from Jamie Graham to send out that message. Boys, boys, <laughs> one of you, death. <laughs> Hit the deck, boys. Let's arrest this momentum. <laughs> the game plan. 
if it if it happens again, but no one gets hit, what, a player just goes into cardiac arrest on the field just to take all the momentum <laughs> out of the game. <laughs> Look, when West Coast kicked those two and three seconds, I went, hold on a yeah. minute. Hold on. This is Fremantle and West Coast all over. <laughs> but no, back up Fremantle, GWS. I want to say Freo, but I think the Giants take this one. I'll go the Giants. Okay. Sunday's games, Essendon take on the Crom at 11.10am at Marvel. Essendon, they're desperately searching for that win. And their favourites, $1.44 to the Crom's $2.80. So, Gee, $2.80. Yeah, real interesting given uh, the state of play this season. But, um, you know, either way, I think it should be a, a good fixture. And I think the Bombers could really take this one out and they should really take this one out. And I'm, I think they will take this one out. Yeah, I'm going to go go the Bombers. They must win this. Yep. Hawthorne taking on St. Kilda. Another game that has uh, a lot of potential to be very good or very bad. It's tough to say with both of these two sides because you just don't know what they're going to dish up and how consistently they're going to dish it up. Yeah. Um, 1.20 p.m. at the G. Hawthorne going at $2.02. St. Kilda going at $1.80. So it'll be a very interesting one. Um, and I think th- there's a lot of... There's a lot of... Oh, I, don't, I don't even know how to, how to look at this game. You know, Max King's going to be the tough one. Hawthorne don't have a key defender that can shut down an elite key forward. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game to watch. Uh, again, you just don't know what St Kilda's going to show up. And Yeah, I think this game will really be one in the midfield for, for both sides because if St Kilda can, you know, get the disposal to Max King correctly, I don't think Kyle Hardigan can come in and defend him. I don't think Sam Frost could stop him. And I think Denver's probably a little too inexperienced and a little too light of frame to stop him. So it's going to be tough to see who, to- who stops Max King. I am going to go with the Saints. I'm going Hawthorne. Mitch Lewis kicks eight. Dylan Moore has 30 and five. Gold Coast checking on Carlton, 2.10pm at Metricon. Carlton should win this game, the way yeah. the season's been set so far. Gee, for the sake of Stuart during the sake of the Gold Coast season, yep. the Suns really need this win. Yeah, it's it. the time is now. This is it. Stuart, this is it. Yeah, this is what your whole career rests on. A game against Carlton on a Sunday Arvo. Also, can we just note, no Fremantle or West Coast on a Sunday Arvo. Yeah, surprised when you... I, I honestly just assumed Freya GWS, I went, oh, that'll be Sunday Arvo. Then you said Sunday night, I went... Oh. Yeah, and that's a great Saturday night fixture. It is. Like, it is. Saturday nights are Optus. There needs to be more of them. I agree. Optus can provide we such the, a spectacle. We have the great light show. The light show. <laughs> that's why the grand final needs to be at night time. The light show. <laughs> oh, that was honestly the most ridiculous thing I've ever read in a Facebook comment section. If the grand final's at night this year... No, I'm not I'll watching. I'll hurt someone. I'm not watching. <laughs> I'll watch replays of the women's grand final because that's playing played during the day, as it should be. Yes. Grand finals should be played during the day. If the moon's out, I'm out of here. I ain't watching. I'm just going to go to a pub that doesn't watch the footy. I'll go to an Irish pub. Even they might watch the footy. I'll go to an English pub. Go to an American pub. Something that doesn't have the footy on if they have the grand final at night time again. That was, I'm over it. I'm over it. You've, you've really triggered something in me because I do not like it. Um, great to see the two WA sides getting games on Saturday. Yeah. Don't know if West Coast deserves it, but Fremantle sure as hell do. So, great to see. Um, yeah, looking at this game, I think Carlton take this one out, but 
Huge, the Levi Casbolt Derby. It is the Levi Casbolt Derby. Uh, I'm going to tip Carlton by three points. I'm saying Carlton by a distance. Now, that's it for the round. I'm very excited to, to watch it, to see how it unfolds. It's going to be, you know, on paper there should be a lot of good games here, but I'm sure some of them will end up as blowouts. I, I can't wait to take a punt on all the games. As always, uh, Tab Touch Multis of the Week will be going live soon on Instagram. So, very exciting. A big thank you to Gussie for coming on. A big thank you to yourself, Matthew, for coming on. And a big thank you for everyone that's tuned in and listened. And we will see you all next week.